Welcome to California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm Satirius Johnson. California is the unquestioned center of the movie biz, and this episode showcases why that makes the Golden State such a great place to visit. We'll start at the brand new Academy Museum of Motion Pictures in Los Angeles. We really want everyone to find something that they're excited about. So everything from people that just want to see the more pop cultural things versus people who are really interested in film history. And we'll talk to California's film commissioner, Colleen Bell, about what makes the state such an incredible location for filmmakers. You know, the old Star Wars movies, which feature California redwoods representing one planet and Death Valley or the state's southeastern desert for another. So it's pretty incredible. And what trip to Hollywood would be complete without a celebrity sighting or two? TMZ bus tour guide Melanie Miller tells us about some of the absolute best spots to do a special kind of stargazing. That's all coming up on California Now. The Academy Museum of Motion Pictures in Los Angeles is opening September 30th after a long wait. My next guest works on the exhibits there and says the museum has something for everyone, whether you're a studied connoisseur of cinema or a voracious fan of summertime spectacle, and especially if you're both. Anna Santiago is assistant curator at the Academy Museum. Welcome to California Now, Anna. Thank you, Soterius. So to start out, when I come visit the museum, what do I see when I first walk in? So when you first walk into the museum, you're entering the Sydney Portier Grand Lobby. This is in the Saban building, formerly known as the May Company. Um, and this building was built in 1939. It was formerly a department store. And our designer, Renzo Piano, um, reimagined this space. So he was really interested in this idea of light and shadow, which is, of course, essential to cinema. Um, You'll also be able to see our restaurants, uh, Fanny's Restaurant and Cafe, the Academy Museum Store, and also the Spielberg Family Gallery. So what do you think is really going to wow people, you know, walking in for the first time? So the Spielberg Family Gallery is really your first taste of of cinema that you get when you first walk into the building. Um, It's part of this like rapid immersion into film history. It's 13 minutes and it's over 700 film clips that span from 1895 with the Lumiere brothers to now. Right from the start, you're getting, you're actually getting to to view some cinema, almost like what is it like a, almost like a retrospective of all the great cinema from the beginning. Exactly. And this is the space that's really free to the public and you can just get a taste for the movies that you'll see upstairs in all of the galleries. Now, the opening of the museum has been a long time coming. Um, You've worked on the museum for years, and you're just now getting to where you get that payoff of seeing your work land with visitors. What's that feel like? It's pretty exciting. So I've been working at this museum for almost six years now. And Hmm. the thing that's always been missing from this experience is really seeing visitors in the galleries. Everything we're doing, um, the narratives we're crafting, the stories we're telling are made with the visitor in mind. So it's really kind of the completion of, of the work that we've been doing, seeing visitors interacting in these spaces. So from what I gather, I mean, the museum is really a, a great place to to learn not just about pop culture and movie trivia, but also the, that history, you know, of, of this form of storytelling, right? 
Correct. I mean, in crafting all of these exhibitions, we really want everyone to find something that they want to see, that they're excited about, that they're passionate about. So everything from, you know, people that just want to see the more pop cultural things versus people who are really interested in film history. And, and one of the exhibits that you've worked on is really about what came before movies, kind of going back well over 100 years. Could you tell us about that? Yeah. So one of the exhibitions that I've been working on, and I, I think it's the one I've been working on the longest, um, it's called Path to Cinema, highlights from the Richard Balzer collection. And the idea about the exhibition is to really highlight that cinema wasn't born into a void. It it came from these optical devices. You really see a lot of these components of movie making like projection or the idea of still images coming to life before that. Um, so you have shadow play, which is something that's international. Um, it's the earliest form of projection. And we have a woodblock print from Japan showing shadow play. We have Indonesian shadow puppets. Um, and then also these ideas of the illusion of movement. Cinema essentially is a series of still images made to look like they're moving. So you have devices like a zoetrope that do the exact same thing many years before 1895 when we first see movies. And something that's exciting about this is a lot of people don't necessarily know what pre-cinema is, but they've often come into contact with these types of devices before, like a flip book. You'll see that at like bars or parties, um, you get like a flip book. And so we mm -hmm. have flip books from pre-1900, um, which I think is very exciting. Yeah, that's really cool, kind of like showing like how cinema became what it is. Um, and, you know, there are so many different aspects to filmmaking. You've got sound design, costumes, sets, acting. Are these different elements represented at the museum? Yes, absolutely. So um, working for the Academy Museum, we have this really unique opportunity with the Academy to really have access to a lot of these different types of filmmakers that are part of the Academy from different crafts. So we have a section in the Stories of Cinema Court exhibition um, that really highlights the art of movie making. So we have a gallery on the Wizard of Oz and that entire gallery just kind of dissects different crafts in the different components of movie making. So you have costume design, hair and makeup, cinematography, and many more. Um, we also have a bunch of galleries that are offshoots of the art of movie making. So we have a gallery that has screenplays and storyboards called Story. We have a gallery that highlights the art of casting and acting with audition tapes. Um, we have interviews with cinematographers, production designers, um, a gallery on sound that really dissects a scene from the Raiders of the Lost Ark and the different components of sound design. And then a gallery on identity, which is breaking down costume design and hair and makeup design to really craft an identity in a movie. And there's a lot of exciting costumes in that in that gallery. So like 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 the exhibition on sound design, like what? What would I experience there? Am I putting on headphones and kind of listening to different things or, or how is that kind of exhibited? Yeah, so it's it's this installation piece that um, really dissects one scene from the Raiders of the Lost Ark. So basically what they do is they show you the scene and then they strip out all the different layers of sound that go into making that specific scene, such as 
Foley or score. And they show you how that really creates this experience of sound in the movie. Um, so it's, it's just really highlighting all these different components that go into making a movie. So, you know, for, for a museum that's all about movies, it wouldn't be complete without lots of chances to see both, you know, highlights during a visit and maybe sit down for like a whole movie there. So tell us about those experiences. You can actually go to the museum and actually, you know, watch a whole movie. Exactly. Yeah. So we have two theaters at the museum. The first is the David Geffen Theater. That's a thousand seat theater um, housed in the dome. And at the Geffen Theater, you can see movies in 35 millimeter, 70 millimeter digital laser projection, as well as nitrate. Um, The nitrate part I'm very excited about because very few theaters can actually play nitrate movies. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like listening to uh, uh, an album on vinyl, kind of, right? Exactly. I mean, in film in general, I I just think the experience is so much better when you're able to watch it on film. But um, with nitrate specifically, it's like so flammable and can spontaneously combust. Very few theaters can even play nitrate anymore. Wow. wow. Um, Yeah, it's very exciting. And then the Ted Mann Theater is a 288-seat theater that also can play film and digital laser projection. And that theater will have daily screenings and Saturday morning matinees for families, as well as retrospectives of certain filmmakers. And what's screening there now? One of our first screenings will be The Wizard of Oz. That really ties into the gallery. Um, This screening will have live accompaniment with an orchestra. We'll also have a a 70 millimeter print of Malcolm X that's tied to our Spike Lee gallery. Now, the museum also has temporary exhibits. Um, What's one you have right now? So our first temporary exhibition is a retrospective on filmmaker Hayao Miyazaki. And this will be the first retrospective dedicated to him in the Americas. Um, This was curated by my colleagues Jessica Niebel and Raul Guzman. And it features more than 400 objects, including storyboards, animation cells, backgrounds, character designs, film clips, and and many more. And it's a really beautiful exhibition. Mm. And he's a he's an Oscar winning director from Japan. What he directed what animated movies? He did Spirited Away, I think is one of the more famous ones, and My Neighbor Totoro. Something that I find is great about it is the curators really designed this to be a journey into mm-hmm. the world of Miyazaki. So as soon as you enter, you're walking into this tree tunnel that really transport you into transports you into his cinematic universe. Oh, that sounds really cool. So it's almost it's very immersive, it sounds like. Yeah, they they did a wonderful job. There's even an immersive experience that's a sky view. So you can a visitor can go and lay down and kind of sit and reflect and look up at the sky, which a lot of Miyazaki characters do in the movies. Oh, interesting. Wow. So, you know, you know, as we said at the top, there's something for everyone at the museum. Um, why don't we start with the diehard student of film? What's one or two things that they have to see when they visit? Okay, so I did a lot of intro to film courses um, and we watched Citizen Kane in practically all of them. Um, so we have a vignette and it's a gallery on Citizen Kane and we have Rosebud on display. And this is a huge spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, but (laughs) Rosebud is a sled. And, (laughs) and at the end of the movie, um, you really, you see it burn and uh, they made three 
different sleds for the film. The first one they filmed, uh, Orson Welles, the filmmaker, did not like the shot. (laughs) So they burned the second one and filmed that one. And he was happy with the shot. So the third one got to survive. And that's the one we have on display. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Wow. So yeah. that's a real that's a real piece of cinema history. I mean, you've you've really got the like if you had to pick almost one thing, I mean that's like that's it. It's yeah, it's very exciting for any real like student of film. What about someone who who loves blockbusters? What's what's something that they just have to see? So for someone who loves blockbusters, we have a gallery called Encounters, and that really looks at the artistry of sci-fi and fantasy and horror movies. And in that gallery, you'll see costumes such as Okoye in Black Panther, uh, the vid phone from Blade Runner, C-3PO and R2-D2, and a head appliance from Alien. Um, So that gallery is going to be great for any lover of blockbuster movies. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm a big sci-fi fan, so I'm definitely going to be hitting that section. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any other favorite, uh, personal favorite galleries that people really should know about? Yes. So uh, one of my favorite galleries is the Pedro Almodovar space. It's an installation that was created by Almodovar himself. He's a filmmaker from Spain, and he's known for such films as All About My Mother and The Skin I Live In. And Mm -hmm. he worked closely with our curators, Jenny He and Raul Guzman, in creating this really beautiful immersive space with 12 screens that highlight significant themes or scenes within his movies. And it's covered in this beautiful blue plush carpet. Um, And you're really transported into his cinematic universe just within this gallery. And his movies are so iconic. And so it's like for to have him the director himself helped design the exhibition. That's really special. Yeah, it's it's such a wonderful opportunity that we're we were able to really work with him for this gallery. That's really cool. Well, Anna, this has really been great, and I can't wait to get down there. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. Thank you, Satirius. Anna Santiago is assistant curator at the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures in Los Angeles, online at academymuseum.org. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now. California has a long, proud history as both a destination for movie lovers and the center of the filmmaking world. My next guest's job is to help maintain and expand on that standing within the cinematic world. Colleen Bell is executive director of the California Film Commission and knows more than most about the ins and outs of filming on location around the state. Welcome to California Now, Colleen. Thank you, Satirius. I'm happy to be here with you. So let's start with your origin story, if you don't mind. How did your career path lead you to becoming California's film commissioner? Oh, well, my goodness. It was a circuitous path, I must say. But (laughs) I studied economics and international relations in college and wound up on Capitol Hill. And then we met my childhood sweetheart, who was starting a new soap opera in California. And we got married, and it was pretty much all hands on deck getting the show up and running. So I found myself in um, television production at that time. And we found that we had about 100 million viewers all over the world, which was this extraordinary platform to be able to utilize, to to tell compelling stories, to educate people, to build curiosity, um, build social cohesion. So I was 
able to pursue that um, with a very, very wide audience through the mechanism of a daytime soap opera called The Bold and the Beautiful. Huh. And if I know, interesting. And when I had my fourth child, I decided I needed to take an extended maternity leave and had always wanted to focus on toxic chemical reform. It had been an interest of mine for a long time, which took me to Washington, D.C. I met a two months into his first term as senator, Barack Obama, <laughs> and found myself volunteering and working on his campaigns and a variety of different uh, presidential appointments ensued. And I went off to serve in 2014 as the U.S. ambassador to Hungary. Um, and after that, Gavin Newsom was elected and uh, we started talking about a position uh, within the administration that might fit. And this was actually a perfect position. It kind of merges my government experience and my production experience all in one job. So now I am the executive director, as you said, of the California Film Commission. Wow, that's an amazing journey. I mean, I'd really love to hear more about your, uh, you know, uh, work in Hungary. But, you know, since this is a California podcast, California Now, maybe let's stick to the Golden State for now. So what exactly does the California Film Commissioner do? All right. Well, our operation is under the umbrella of the Governor's Office of Business and Economic Development. And basically, my goal is to increase the amount of film production and jobs and revenue occurring in California. So we do this by we administer the California Film and Television Tax Credit Program for the state. And it's an incentive program that allows California to compete with the many states and countries that are aggressively um, trying to lure film and television to their jurisdictions. And so you know, basically, we're the primary liaison between the production community and all levels of government. Interesting. So let's explore a bit of history uh, for a moment. How did California come to be the center of the film and TV universe? Oh, my gosh. Well, it goes back a long way. And and we've come a long way. Um, I think, you know, they're varying stories. But, you know, generally speaking, I think filmmakers were really in search of more consistent climate, you know, to and also at, at the time to escape you know, fees that were imposed by Thomas Edison, who owned many patents on the movie Making Progress. So and the popularity of movies was really on the rise. And so we had this influx of immigrants. People are looking for business opportunities. And and this was big business. So, you know, here in, in California, coming out west and starting to build up these big studios and the infrastructure and the training of individuals. And then this, you know, the support systems were all in place and things started to evolve. But I think that's kind of the gist of it, of how it all started and how it all rolled out. Of course, you know, film production is everywhere these days. But even so, a lot of directors still choose to shoot in California. I mean, why do you think that is? And, and why is that important to you? Oh, it's so important. I mean, they're they're a big part of the decision making pro process. The directors, absolutely, and I continually hear that the directors would like to stay in California. Uh, so I believe it's you know the depth and the talent of our crews, and again, consistent weather that translates into less filming days. You know. Uh, lost time, uh, particularly when you're filming on location. So, and also a high concentration of directors, producers, and cast members, they live in California. And, but one too is also the diverse landscapes and topography. Like you can have, for instance, um, a good illustration of this is, you know, the old Star Wars movies, which, you know, feature California redwoods representing right. one planet and Death Valley or the state's southeastern desert for another. So it's 
you know, it's pretty incredible. No, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, being able to kind of represent different planets just in one state is pretty incredible. <laughs> absolutely. So do, do you think that seeing California on TV and film inspires travelers from around the world to come visit here? Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know, you might know this, but tourism is California's number one export. And part of the California tourism experience for people is often connected to visiting some of the sites where people's favorite films you know, or TV shows are shot. Or they come, they want to view the Hollywood sign or the stars on Hollywood Boulevard. Film walking tours and guided tours taking place all up and down the state. And People travel to Universal Backlot, which for me, never gets old. I could go through and ride on that tram, you know, 20 times in a year. I still <laughs> think it's so exciting and fascinating. So, Colleen, what do you think about the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures, which is about to open? We just heard we got a little preview of it from a curator uh, at the museum. It sounds really great. Oh, yes. I think people will be traveling from far and wide to come to this museum. It's going to be a huge draw. There's no question. They've got so many plans for exhibitions and screenings and interesting programs. And also, like the Renzo Piano renovation of this old department store, the May Company on Wilshire Boulevard, is absolutely beautiful. So again, California has provided another destination for film lovers from all over the world to come and be a part of this museum and see the history of filmmaking in California, experience screenings and, and different programming. It's going to be, it's very, very exciting for the state. Right. And you mentioned, you know, people coming to visit the sites where certain films were shot. And, uh, you know, some examples of that that come to my mind are things like La La Land or Once, a, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Are there are there any that really draw people in particular, like in droves or that that, that are, you know, that are some of your favorites? Right. Oh, well, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because it's it's part of our film and TV tax credit program. And I'm I'm a huge Quentin Tarantino fan. But I was it was a beautiful Sunday afternoon. I'm I was driving home with my son and this policeman stopped the cars and we all kind of were waiting. I'm thinking, huh, what's what is it? Is it a dignitary or a government mm -hmm. official coming through? No, it was the scene with all of the cars from 1970s and it was going down the street one after another. It felt like a hundred <laughs> cars went by and the actors all dressed up in their vintage costumes. And I had such a magic movie moment myself and I, I kept saying to my son I was like oh my gosh like this is this is California we are just living this moment being able to witness this and then to be able to see it on the big screen was super exciting so there are moments like that all the time but yes and La La Land I mean come on that was that was just you know extraordinary I I loved that I loved that movie um yeah, I you know I spend a lot more time in Sacramento now, so because of my job, and so I'm going up to our state's capital. And I thought Lady Bird, it paid such a lovely tribute to Sacramento. I mean, right. before I, I always think about that beautiful little film every time that I'm there, and I just the quaintness of the city. It just it made me love the, love the town even more. Absolutely. I mean, whether it's like the, the coffee shop she goes to or the, you know, the thrift shop that, you know, it's a, it's it really was a love letter to Sacramento. You know, it really it really wasn't. Also, you know, there's a wrinkle in time, which is such a beautiful film. And that was filmed up in Humboldt County, which is just gorgeous up there. Uh, so also, 
you know, Big Little Lies, one of my favorite series in Monterey, which is so spectacularly beautiful. And they do such a good job of capturing all the natural beauty there. You know, one movie that comes to mind that is kind of also quintessential California is the movie Sideways. Oh, my goodness. Sideways. Thank you. Thank you for reminding <laughs> me of that great film. Oh, such a beautiful film. And so funny, too, right there, shot yeah. in Solvang and Santa Inez in the wine country there. Actually, I, I took a trip after. I was so inspired by the movie to, <laughs> to, to set off in, in my car and go have a Pinot Noir in the Solvang. I, I, I did that exactly just that. So, hey, wow. there you go. I'm a film yeah. tourist. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> inspired me You're not to the take only a drive one, out I'm sure. there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, my gosh. It's just gorgeous there. You know, since be- becoming California Film Commissioner, have you come to a new appreciation for any of the destinations around the state? That's actually a fun part of my job because I do get to travel to some of the locations and I do travel to meet with some of our film commissions that are peppered throughout the state. And so I do get to see parts of the state that I had never seen before. And, you know, I spent much more time up north now that I've been in this position. And it's just so it's beautiful. It's just absolutely gorgeous up there. I mean, you've got the wine country and you've got the you know national parks and you have the beautiful forests and the coastline, which is so much more dramatic up north with the craggly cliffs and, you know, the waves banging, banging up against them. And then you come down to Santa Monica with the big, long, wide, white beaches, you know, strewn with people and umbrellas and frolicking in the water. It's completely different, yet it's the same coast. So I've, I've just grown to, to appreciate the diversity and the range of, visual experiences you can have here in California. There's really no place like it anywhere else in the world. Well, Colleen, this has been really great. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. Thank you, Satirius. It was nice being with you. Colleen Bell is executive director of the California Film Commission. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now. It's always great to see your favorite Hollywood actors on the big screen, but it's amazing to spot them out in the wild. My next guest specializes in just that type of experience. Melanie Miller is a guide with TMZ Celebrity Tours, and when she catches sight of a familiar face, part of her job is to jump off the bus with her camera to try to grab a quick interview for TMZ on TV. Welcome to California Now, Melanie. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? I'm good, thank you. That's great. Before we get to the celebrity component, set the stage for us. Uh, What can I expect when I take a TMZ celebrity tour? I think what you can expect is a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. Uh, I think you'll be inundated with information. Um, Obviously, the fabulous sights of Hollywood And um, if you don't know, Harvey Levin, who founded TMZ, who's the star of TMZ on TV, hosts TMZ Live, he's also there. So this is his tour. Harvey's on the video monitor, and he'll he'll welcome you to the bus on the video monitor, and then he talks to you throughout the tour, and then at the end of the tour, he says a quick goodbye. Um, But he's incorporated so many things that that he wants um, TMZ tour guests to hear. That sounds really great. So so tell us, where does it start and how long is the tour and what are some of the stops that you stop at? 
So the tour starts at Hollywood and Highland. When you think of Hollywood, you think of Hollywood and Highland. We leave from the Hard Rock Cafe, um, and it's two hours long. So we go through Hollywood, West Hollywood, and Beverly Hills. We see so many things. You hear so much information along the way. So what are some of, like, say, the landmark locations that you always hit? We see Capitol Records, we see Paramount Studios, we see the Beverly Wilshire Hotel, if you don't know. You know what the Beverly Wilshire Hotel is famous for? No, tell me, tell me. Pretty woman walking down the street. That's where they shot the movie, that's so cool. Yes, where they shot the movie. Uh, We go by Rodeo, Um, we see the Beverly Hills Fountain, the Beverly Hills, we go down Sunset Boulevard, we see the Viper Room, the Whiskey A Go-Go, the original Tower Records. That sounds really great. So if you want to get kind of a sense of Hollywood, Hollywood. overview, uh, you know, this is a really great tour to do that. Yeah. And we show you where TMZ has broken, we obviously have broken some of the biggest stories in the world. So we show you where... Um, we broke these stories. We, we see the Laugh Factory. We see it all. So the idea is, it sounds to me like you're not driving me past, say, a, you know, a gated mansion where, you know, an A-list celebrity may be living. You're actually taking me to where they might just be out on the sidewalk or, or out getting a coffee or something like that. Exactly. We don't go to homes at all. Um, and and, uh, and the, my favorite thing about the TMZ Celebrity Tour is like literally anything could happen at any moment. Like we pull up to a stoplight and then boom, we see Jennifer Lopez sitting next to us at the light. And then, you know, the bus goes crazy. And, and, and I mean, how else are you going to be able to like, like, for instance, um, I was on a TMZ charter tour this last weekend. We go by Dancing with the Stars studios uh, or Dancing with the Stars rehearsal space. We see Gleb from Dancing with the Stars. He's one of the professionals on Dancing with the Stars. He hmm. comes over the bus. Um, he starts dancing with one of the women on the charter <laughs> tour. And like, uh, you're not going to be able to dance with a Dancing with the Stars <laughs> professional anywhere else. Like there was a woman Paul on the bus it was her birthday he's wishing her a happy birthday he's giving her water um one of my favorite things that i've seen on the tour um if you don't know mauricio from the real housewives of beverly hills kyle's husband this is gonna sound weird it's not it's my favorite thing we see him on the (laughs) bus he comes over to the bus this woman on the tour bus is like mauricio can i have the hat and he gives this woman the hat off of his head and she gets to keep it and I'll be honest, we took turns smelling it and it smelled really good. <laughs> That's hilarious. And I mean, it sounds like, okay, like you're not going to get experiences like this on any other tour. Exactly. That's amazing. So, so you know, you might actually, you know, be there while you're shooting interviews that may end up on the show later that day or later in the week. Yeah. And then the guests end up on the TV show. So, I mean, you're not going to take a tour where we film the video, the tour guest asks the question, then it airs on internationally syndicated TV. So, you know, I looked at uh, the TMZ Tours uh, Instagram and I saw more than a few big names. I mean, can we we talk about a few that you've met on the tour? I know you've mentioned some already, but Mm -hmm. what are some of your like one or two of your all time favorites? 
So we were driving down Beverly one day and we see David Spade who drives this 1995 Toyota. And he told us he has this Toyota because he bought it with the money he made from Tommy boy and it has a special place in his heart. And so I talked to him about Adam Sandler a little bit. We see David Spade, we get back on the bus, we're driving around, we're coming up Robertson and sure enough, who do we see but Adam Sandler. So (laughs) not only do we see David Spade, but we, we talked to David Spade about Adam Sandler and then 15 minutes later we see Adam Sandler. Like, oh, that's bizarre. It doesn't get better than that. And then, <laughs> like, one of my favorite celebrities is Selma Blair from Legally Blonde, Cruel Intentions. And, like, she got on the bus, and the bus just, like, erupts in cheers. And she's, like, hugging everyone. And she tells us how, like, we saw her at this, like, um, macaroon shop. And she's, like, I hate macaroons. I come here just for the coffee. And, like, <laughs> we've seen Mark Wahlberg. We've seen Charlie Sheen. I've seen John Stamos, who uh, did the hair thing. From the Full House show. And for oh. me, <laughs> really? oh my, my childhood dreams have been. That's hilarious. Are there times where like you maybe you don't run into a celebrity, but I would imagine that, you know, it's still a great tour to be on, right? Yeah, because we're, we're yeah, we're giving you so much information. Um, and, and a lot of guests, not only uh, some, some guests watch the show, some guests don't, but we're still they're still giving you so much information. And you're seeing Hollywood through the eyes of TMZ. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, what are some of the stories that you would tell people, you know, that, you know, maybe on a tour, like maybe you didn't see seven ce- celebrities on that tour? Um, So we really show you the history of Hollywood. Uh, I mean, as we go down Sunset, obviously, it's where rock and roll exploded. Um, We go into the Sunset Strip where you'll see the Vibe Room, the Whiskey A Go-Go. And if you don't know, the Vibe Room is actually where River Phoenix collapsed on the sidewalk. Um, and Joaquin Phoenix, you know, making the 911 call, Rain, his sister, doing CPR. Like, we there's so much history in Hollywood. Um, so we really break that down. Yeah, and I, I know how powerful it is when you're on a tour, when you're actually in the spot where these things happened. Um, it's just a really powerful thing uh, to kind of, like, almost recreate it in your head to see these spots. Um, yeah. Do you have like a wish list, someone you'd like to spot but haven't I seen yet? Absolutely have a wish list. If <laughs> I could see anybody on the TMC celebrity tour, it would be my icon, Taylor Swift. Uh-huh. Okay. I live for her. Like, uh, <laughs> Taylor, if you hear this, I love you. <laughs> Anyone else? Uh oh God! I mean the list is endless. I would love to see Reese Witherspoon, mm-hmm. uh, Beyonce. I haven't personally seen her, so Beyonce, if you're there, um. <laughs> so let's talk about your guests for a minute. Who uh, tends to go on your tours? Um, I think everybody, but obviously a lot of fans of the TMZ TV show and, and people just looking. Maybe fans that aren't necessarily a fan of the TV show, but but also people that read our website that want to see, you know, how we broken stories or want to see Hollywood through the lens of TMZ. Or I think, you know, we're in the middle of the action on Hollywood Boulevard. So people, you know, who are intrigued, I think everybody it's a tour for everybody. So, like, even if you're not, like, somebody who, you know, watches the show or reads People Magazine or Us Magazine every week, you just want to get a sense of the history and maybe run into a celebrity or two. Who doesn't 
want to run into a celebrity. <laughs> There's not one person on this earth that says I have no favorite celebrity. Whether because not only do we see like your average A list, B list celebrities, we see you know football players. I've seen Antonio Gates, DeAndre Hopkins, um, uh, Big Baby Davis. We've seen uh, celebrities from all walks of the entertainment mm-hmm, industry. Mm-hmm. So, Melanie, what would you say is unique about the the experience on the bus? Um, I think that, you know, it's two hours. It's a two-hour tour, so you want to be comfortable. So we have some of the most comfiest seats, I think, in Hollywood. Um, we have air conditioner on the bus. So if it's a little bit too hot, a little bit too cold, we have a heater. We have AC. Um, we do take the windows off the bus, so you're covered, but you have a nice breeze. Um, and then we have video monitors. We also have um, charging stations for your phone because, you know, it's two hours. And if your phone's running low, you want to be able to have your phone ready when we see a celebrity. So, that, honestly, there's nothing like it. It sounds very luxurious and you have everything you need there. And uh, it sounds like a great, a great ride. It's the epitome of luxury. <laughs> Melanie, this has been so great. Thank you so much for joining us on California Now. Thank you guys for having me. Melanie Miller is a guide with TMZ Celebrity Tours online at TMZTour.com and on Instagram at TMZ.Tour. As always, we'll have links to all the places we talked about on today's episode and lots more on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now. Thank you for listening to California Now. We hope you enjoyed this episode and get a chance to hit the road soon. This podcast is produced by Visit California. I'm your host, Satirius Johnson. You can find our show on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and please check out our website. It's visitcalifornia.com.